0: And we are live. I don't know where to put that cough drop in my mouth while I do this, read. This is poor timing. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by the man that you guys know as RinPak. We are here to break down game two of the NBA Finals, and we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Before we do anything, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, so you know when everything goes live. Ryan, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, and I'm glad you're doing better. I heard you got hit with the Rona. Uh, I did. Bounced back, and I'm uh, yeah. looking forward to talking about game two, about what an exciting uh, fourth quarter we saw in game one, and now let's see what we're going to see in game two. Uh, what were your thoughts on game one?
0: I have no thoughts on game one. I saw precisely zero seconds of the game. Um, not ideal for me. Uh, yes, as you, as you mentioned in the lead-up, uh, I got the bug uh, as of late Tuesday, early Wednesday, which was – Not ideal. Uh, So I've been on the mend for a couple days. Yeah. I watched, I saw none of it. I did not see a single second of that game. Uh, The only still frame I saw of the game was like Curry half rolling his ankle on some three, I guess, but never left the game. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I didn't see anything. I missed our playback stream. Unfortunately, I missed literally everything. I've basically seen nothing in sports. The only thing that I made sure to check over the past couple of days was to see how Patrick Reed did uh, because he was my one and done pick. Uh, I didn't know who I was going to take in one and done. Eric mentioned that I should take Patrick Reed. It was a great week. I then saw a friend of the program, Ben Raza, post his golf picks on Twitter. Patrick Reed was like one of his favorites. Uh, Patrick Reed, by all accounts, played like absolute ass for the first few days did make the cut, but uh, he's fixing to be in like dead last of people that made the cut. So a uh, great one and done pick from my fellow awesome.com employees. But that's the only thing that I know that's happened in sports in like the last couple of days.
1: Yes, there are a bunch of frauds, right? I mean, I know than- it's just
0: yeah. awful. I'll, don't worry. Now that I'm now that I don't have COVID, I'll take over the
1: golf content too. one by one. Here you come. But yeah, game one was a real weird game, in my opinion. It was really weird because. We just saw these runs in these playoffs based on the three-point shot have been maximized to the fullest. And just like Curry comes out hot, hits six threes in the first quarter, a historic first quarter for him. And then Boston has like a historic fourth quarter, like all of NBA history. They just did not miss from outside. Like I think people are underestimating how historic of a quarter that was, especially to happen in the NBA finals against a Steve Kerr-led Warriors team there. He's like the mastermind of not blowing leads in the finals I'm sorry leads in game but uh it was a, it was a fun game to watch uh, al horford and marcus smart popping off along with jalen brown really riding them and jason tatum with full-on facilitator mode can that continue at the efficiency that was done in the fourth quarter unlikely but game two is going to be a different uh different breed of a game we might see a rotational change from steve kerr with gary payton uh, is does Daniel Tice still get rotational minutes? That was a shocking rotational uh, run that I saw in Game One. But here we are, Game Two. There's a bunch of money to be won tonight. Uh, let's get to it.
0: Yeah, let's let's dive into it. Let's start on the Boston side because I think that's the side that's going to be significantly easier to talk about. Generally speaking, it's you, you kind of know what you're going to get out of the winning team in the next game, and it's not as if the Celtics have a ton of options anyway. Like they're, we know who their rotation is. The biggest question mark that we're going to have in this one is the help of Robert Williams. Do you have a lean on him right now? Like how did he look to you in game one? We have two, two days off in between games now, which should be helpful. Are you reading into his questionable status at all?
1: I'm just going to ride with the questionable status. We've gotten the last couple of games. He's going to play. He's going to uh, run himself out for hopefully 20 minutes. There was some great plays in the fourth quarter. He had some, you know when the moment momentum was shifting, he had some great alley oop lob catches um, and put him down. In a one-game setting, Rob Williams is not the guy who I'm like uh, excited to go to by any means. I think I'm fine if I just land on him type of situation. But I also know Rob Williams on Fanduel and Yahoo where he gets those steals and blocks bonus, especially block bonus. He can really carry a potential lineup in terms of not only being a raw points but a potentially unique lineup with less duplications. Is pretty important over there, but he's someone who looked fine. I think he probably could play a little bit more minutes if they really if he really needed to, if it was like a must-win situation. But he's definitely not hundred percent. I, I think he's somewhere probably like 75%. I'm just gauging based off what he looks like. He's definitely a shell of himself of the regular season. There's no question about that. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how the defensive schemes change a little bit, maybe uh, in game two. So Uh, I think he's all right. He's nothing that I'm too excited to play, but I think he's just rolling himself out there. And I think anywhere from 20 to 26 minutes is how I'm seeing what his minutes rotation will look like uh, from a game to game series. Yeah. I think
0: we're on the same page there. I I think he's probably the only guy from Boston. That's a true wild card in that you wouldn't be surprised if he had some big rebound multiple block day and becomes, you know, that guy that's essential. He could also, play 16 minutes, the knee's not feeling right, and they shorten that rotation up and go a little bit smaller. Because I don't think that you have anything really interesting to add on Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I know I don't have anything really to say about those two guys. Like, did you see anything coming out of – has anything changed for you? Jason Tatum's 10-4 on DraftKings, Jalen Brown 9,600. Is there anything new to you for either of those two guys, or is it just sort of business as usual at this point in the playoffs?
1: I could argue Jason Tatum had some sort of stage fright uh, for game one. He was awfully hesitant to just shoot the shots that he just puts in the bank. But when he was hesitant, he knew that he had to defer the ball to Jalen Brown. So that was great to see. That's why his assist numbers were tremendous last game. It's not something that we see from Jason Tatum night in, night out. He was playing exceptional uh, facilitation role. And I think we might get a recency bias out of that where, look, Tatum's not going to be that poor from shooting always from game in and game out. We've seen that happen in the playoffs. He just bounces right back. And I like I think we might get like the recency bias flip where people are going to be overly heavily uh, rostering Jalen Brown and we find a way to go to Tatum where there could be the opposite fantasy point distribution of Tatum can easily outscore Brown by 20-25 fantasy points. That's obviously an extreme situation, but in a one game setting we've seen this happen in the playoffs nonstop so. Uh, that's the situation where I think we could expose the field a little bit. But yeah. you're going to like Jason Tatum regardless. I mean, he could be the highest scoring player on the right. slate by 15, 20 points. So. It is interesting. And we could
0: talk about it, I guess, from a fan FanDuel perspective. Because DraftKings is always going to be a little bit different. But just the way that this series sets up, you know, we've got Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond. If you want to put someone like Jordan Poole in that group, that's fine. You know, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Horford. We've got a lot of viable high-end NBA talent. And on FanDuel, it makes it so – this isn't like a series with Luca where he's like 90% to be in an optimal lineup on FanDuel. Like you, there's, It's very hard to avoid him because he projects 15 points ahead of everybody else. There's a very realistic scenario that you're either playing Jason Tatum at MVP or star, or you're probably not putting him in a lineup at all. Like, and that's where we see the ownership going, where he's currently projected for, you know, basically 40% at MVP, like, you know, 10 to 15 at star. And then you just don't really see him anywhere else. That's not a lot of ownership to the guy that has the highest projected score of anybody here. So like for FanDuel, it, it ends up looking entirely different than the, the path that we need to take for DraftKings. Next follow-up question for the rest of Boston. Are you expecting more normal starter run for Marcus Smart today. Did not play big minutes in the first one. Uh, Ended up finishing with 29 and a half, you know, that came out for the final minute of blowout run. So call it 30 and a half. I'm thinking Smart's more likely to be playing something in the 36 minute range today.
1: I agree with that as well. And Marcus Smart, someone who I believe truly lost minutes to good play of Payton Pritchard last game. So there's a stretch in the fourth quarter, Payne Pritchard and Derek White, Kind of were the reasons they got back in the game. They went back to back to back threes. There was, I think, there, they had a four possession stretch where they had four threes in a row. And it went a rotation of Horford, Pritchard, and uh, Derek White just taking over the game along with Jalen Brown getting some and ones. But I think Pritchard stole some minutes from Smart. And Derek White's been taking some minutes from Rob Williams at times uh, in previous playoff runs and uh, in this one as well. So Easily, we could see Derek White, he played 32 minutes. He could easily go down to 26, 28, and Marcus Smart picks up some of those. And Pritchard, it was interesting. They didn't hunt Pritchard on the defensive end, the Golden State. That might change in a game-two game plan from Steve Kerr. And Pritchard, 16 minutes could easily be 10, and those could go to Marcus Smart. So in the game-to-game setting, these, the, the, those volatility of those rotational, back-end rotational guys like Pritchard is where we can take advantage of the field of quote on, fucking up. So, and that could easily happen tonight.
0: How do you feel about Pritchard at 3,600? It feels like a price tag that's kind of difficult to get to. Um, I don't expect him to be uh, the man on the glass again, like he was in game one. Uh, You know, he didn't take a ton of shots, but everything that he did sort of shoot went down three or four from the field. Is Pritchard viable for you at 3,600? Because you kind of need a very specific game. Now, he is not owned. Uh, We've got him at 6% ownership. So it's not as if you need to get, you need a lot of Peyton Pritchard to get over the field.
1: Yeah, at 6% ownership based on ownership projections, I do think that will evolve throughout the day. It might trickle up a little bit, but a lot of things need to go right his way. We need, um, the way I'm going to talk about how he can pay off for you Marcus Smart foul trouble or Derek White foul trouble, those minutes probably could go his way there. And he needs to be very efficient in his fifth, let's say if you get the The max minutes, I think we saw 16 in terms of like a regular rotation. Yeah. He needs to be really efficient in those 16 minutes. That's being scoring, peripheral stats. A lot of things need to go his way. And now in a one game setting, we also got news where on the other side, Gary Payton's expected to play. I didn't expect him to play in game one. I do expect him to play a little bit uh, in game two. I'm going to take some savings uh, potentially with Gary Payton. uh, And trying to see how that goes uh you're gonna save eighteen hundred dollars on a, on the utility salary and i think eighteen hundred dollars that's a lot with the studs that we have in this game so like taking the savings and another back end rotational guy and just fingers crossed we get seven minutes of eight minutes of gary payton and they perform uh similar fantasy production but or a similar or a fantasy outcome i'm not that interested in pritchard i i do think uh, we did see that quote unquote ceiling game from him uh you just not going to take that many shots when he's on the court if he does, he needs to make a bunch of them.
0: Do we get more Grant Williams at any point in time here? 16 minutes in this one. Did not play at all in the fourth quarter, including the gigantic run that brought the Celtics back. Is he, is he a wild card in this one? Because at this point, Grant Williams, 4,200. I feel like you need a lot of minutes, at least from a projection standpoint, to get to him. He is not a good per minute guy. If he's playing 18, I mean, you're projecting him for like 10 fantasy points or something in that neighborhood at that point in time. It, can he get back to the 30 minutes that he needed before? Or is, is he basically just like Derek White foul trouble away from having to be on the floor?
1: Yeah, that's one way. I was going back to what I talked about, uh, the Mar, uh, the Daniel Tice situation. I honestly think Imei Doka might take those Daniel Tice minutes and make them Grant Williams minutes. Tice got six minutes and that's, a lot of minutes in a one game setting. So yeah, uh, I definitely think taking some chances of being overweight on Grant Williams. I hate rostering this guy, but he's uh, when he's getting the minutes in the high 20s, he's paid off in the previous series and in the playoffs again. And at that low ownership, he doesn't need to do that much. He just needs to make your puzzle pieces fit to get in there. You have to nail the right combination of studs. And last game, it was Horford and Derek White and Pritchard were the guys who helped you do that on DraftKings. Yeah, it could certainly be Grant Williams. So, getting above the field on, uh, on a guy like Grant Williams, where the minutes, if you were to tell me Grant Williams is going to play 30 minutes on game two, it would not shock me by any means. It can definitely be on the table. Rob Williams could get hurt again. Uh, he's definitely shown that. We've seen Grant Williams start the second half in the Miami series, not something that I think will happen in the Golden State series, but it's something that is on the table for Emei Doko where those minutes could could go up a little bit more. Yeah, I was surprised
0: by that uh, six-minute Tice rotation, in particular just because of who was on the floor when he was out there. Um, he, he went out there with absolutely no loony. It was basically a full second unit. You know, you get – look, it's, it's really easy to play Daniel Tice if Andre Iguodala is on the floor because he is a complete useless piece of offensive – play for the Golden State Warriors so if Draymond is out there as well at a time where Steph is not out there for half the time then you can get away with Daniel Tice minutes uh, in this series I don't know yeah. if that's going to be able to happen again but it makes sense when you when you see the rotation you're like okay that's when you can play Daniel Tice six minutes
1: I com- yeah that was really bizarre I do think there's a stretch where Iguodala and Draymond are on the court together and no Steph I think there's a stretch in game one where that happens and it kind of cost them As in, like, Boston got some momentum heading into the fourth. They didn't miss many shots. And they honestly should not have two offensive liabilities on the court in Draymond and Andre Iguodala. So I expect that to change. Nick, Sorry, uh, Steve Kerr is much, much better at uh, making Game 2 adjustments like that. And then uh, looking at – I was really shocked that Iguodala just played into a full-on game uh, NBA final setting. Like, he has not played since – I want to say the regular season, March maybe, is the last time we saw Iguodala play. It has been a long time. I know he got in full practices, but full practices to an NBA final setting is uh, quite the stretch. Yeah, he got some point uh, fantasy production in 1K salary last game, but I don't know if Gary Payton's taking all those minutes from Iguodala in this game. It's going to be something that we see change. We might see Iguodala play very low. I think Iguodala should play low, a lot lower minutes than he did in game one. Yeah, I don't, I'm not entirely sure
0: what he brings to the table any longer if he's going to be a complete zero offensively. Now, we'll get into whether or not Gary Payton can be a non zero. Uh, I'm not confident that he's like a better option to be out on the floor for them in this series. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to the Golden State one. Is there anything like we haven't, I haven't said Al Horford's name yet. Uh, I haven't really said Derek White's name yet. But when I look at Boston, I just don't have anything to say. I feel like we know every single one of these guys' role. We know sort of what, we know there's going to be some sort of rotation around how many minutes can Robert Williams play. And that'll sort of dictate what happens with White, Williams, and then to a lesser extent, Peyton Pritchard. I don't have any takes any longer for Boston. We've seen them play so many games in the playoffs at this point in time. We we know what their hierarchy on the team is. I don't have anything else new here.
1: Yeah, so Boston, one thing that they have going for them, I honestly think they have more offensive shot creation available to them than Golden State, and that obviously helps to a certain degree where isolation basketball in stretch time and clutch time, we, don't, we haven't seen much of it of late, can pay off. So I think, honestly, I'm going to be a little uh, soft on Derek White today. I, I just yeah. don't think... 6'11", five of eight from three, five of eight from three is insane from Derek White. Uh, that's not going to be sustainable in, an, uh, in a series setting. So I'm a little less on Derek White. I want to. I think we might get Jason Tatum at a lower ownership than uh, he should be. I mean, I like his minutes. They're going to be forty plus minutes. I don't think three of seventeen is on the table. I'm I'm hoping for more like eight of eighteen or eight of twenty. Hopefully, uh, getting to the line more is on there. So I think. I'm going to be uh, excited to go to Jason Tatum and Al Horford's shooting efficiency. That was insane. Nine of 12, six of eight. I'm just counting on guys just to take like not shoot as hot as they did it. They all, all this happened in the fourth quarter, which is really crazy to witness and watching that game. So I just don't think that shooting efficiency is going to be on the table, but the minutes you're going to guys on Boston, we feel confident in minutes. I think it's Brown Tatum, Marcus smart. Those are the three guys. Then for me, it's going to go Al Horford, And then it's a rotation for that fifth guy. Is it going to be White? Is it going to be Williams? Could be Grant Williams, who I'm mentioning. And then uh, everyone else, it's like I'm not too interested. But the priority guys are going to be Brown and Tatum. I do prefer if you're going to build one lineup, finding a way to get Tatum in over Brown, just because I think we might get that reduced ownership on uh, Jason Tatum today, just because of his poor performance in game one. It was Alrighty. not it was, it was not that poor, honestly. It was just bad shooting cool. performance.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, three three for seven. So, yeah, I mean, he was a great facilitator, three for 17 from the field, just never gonna get it done. Um, although I guess in theory, it got it done. <laughs> but uh not not necessarily you wouldn't have expected the Celtics to win a game that Jason Tatum went three of 17 in.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're free to tell me to go three of 17. I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see uh in the playoffs whatever team that sh- has made more threes, it's probably won the game. Uh, it just seems like... That yeah, I, would, I mean,
0: I would expect that to... But, like, I would expect that always.
1: Yeah, no, part. especially more nowadays. I mean, the disparity in three-point percentage in wins and losses is pretty insane. I feel like the yeah. team that's just, like, if you're shooting lights out, you're just automatically heading a win now. It's, like, teams are just not missing. Like, a, there are teams that are, like, I think Boston went 50% from three last game. That's just... Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> Yeah
0: like if 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 we just say like 35% is a is what a team shoots which you know we we know that it could be a little bit higher than that but if a team just shoots 45% for one game and the other team shoots 25% like you basically it, it's probably a it, i don't know it's got to be like 90 10 your chances of being able to um, offset that with offensive rebounding and turnovers and stuff the other way you're just you're digging such a gigantic hole you need you need aggressive fouls you need uh offensive rebounds and turnovers i'm i'm excited for you to talk right now because i got that bloop bloop, bloop so i want to know if i lost them both or just one
1: okay yeah no i mean yeah back in the previous like let's say five six years ago the playoffs were like whoever got to the line more whoever got more rebounds were winning yeah. the game now i feel like it's the shift to the three-point obviously three-point shot has led to a ton of variance uh that's been why we're seeing seeing more blowouts. i do think we'll see a blowout or two in this series i mean just the way, like, how they live and die by the three, both teams, definitely on the table. And, like, to say this is a – every game in the finals is kind of a must win. You're, you're there trying to win the game. But if Golden State drops the game today, uh, the series is a wrap, right? I mean, I, it's hard to see uh, them losing two games at home and going to Boston across the country. It definitely could happen, but it would be quite the, quite the feat to pull that, pull, pull that off. So uh, they kind of did drop the ball there. They blew a massive lead. Now on the other gu- is I don't think any other rotational changes could happen. I the one that I'm kind of forese- uh, foreshadowing and predicting is we might see no Daniel Tice and more Grant yeah. Williams. That's the only thing that I could see happen. But based on Game One, it worked, but it only worked in the fourth quarter. So I I, I don't want to really go to Daniel Tice. Uh, I just don't think he should be playing in the series. I think it's a mistake, and yeah. those minutes should be sprinkled under the. Rob Williams and Grant Williams uh, going forward. So that's one thing. And uh, if Meg, uh, MVP star options, definitely uh, you can take a shot on, obviously, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Uh, you, you get those guys at lower ownership. But star option, Marcus Smart did really well last game. I don't think that shooting efficiency sticks out. But Fandle, where you get the steals, the minutes could be 40. So Marcus Smart, I like, it, I like even paying, uh, putting him in star in some lineups. Not a, a lot, but I, I do think – it won't take much to get over the field. than a guy like Marcus Spartan star, Al Horford, I'm a little bullish on just because of the, I think we get recency bias ownership of that shooting performance, but it's shocked. I, if, he cont- if he continues to play like this, he, he's going to win finals MVP. Probably, probably.
0: And Shandre just, he's like the chat version of COVID. Brown is not the best player on the Celtics. That is an opinion held by absolutely no people
1: whatsoever. <laughs> Jalen Brown is the best player on the Celtics. Uh, he's probably the best player on, on the Celtics when Jason Tatum's on the bench, but that's yeah.
0: about it. I think Jace, I think Jalen Brown is the only person that thinks Jalen Brown is the best player on the Celtics.
1: You think? You think Jalen Brown thinks like that? I don't think he. I don't. I, don't, I think he's pretty unselfish.
0: Oh well, that no. I think those are two separate things. I don't think you get to that level in in life if you don't think that you're the best player on that team.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been in that position in my life to like. He would never. He would never answer it like that.
0: He'd be like, you know, like I bring stuff to the table and Jason brings stuff to the table. But if he was just like, yeah, when push comes to shove, who should have the ball? He's gonna be like me. I'm the best player here.
1: Yeah. Okay. In that setting, sure, I, I can agree with that. But yeah, it's. I always find it bizarre. They wanted like people thought they couldn't work out. I just thought they just need time and it it would it easily work out. They could have gone there in, I don't know, 2017 against LeBron, but they're young. They're going to be good together for a long time, I think.
0: (laughs) And this is why he's COVID. Uh, It's not sleeping on Jalen Brown to think that Jason Tatum is better than him. I think Jalen Brown is quite good at basketball. I'm not entirely sure he's being slept on with his 14k salary and 46 uh, ownership on Fanduel today.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely not. And Brown, Brown is really good. I, I don't want to. Yeah. I, I don't. I think a lot of teams would love Jalen Brown. Like all like of it, them. I think Jalen every Brown's, single one. <laughs> huh? Every I, single yeah. team. <laughs> and like if Jalen Brown is like much better than a guy like Demar Derozan in my opinion, much better. Yeah. And like. People will come at my neck for saying that. So Jalen Brown is a very good basketball player, and I think most teams would love Jalen Brown on their basketball team. So he's really good. It's just that Jason Tatum's also really, really good. So yeah, yeah. he's better. Jason Tatum's just better. He's just right. It's, Tatum it's, has it's really MVP easy. like uh, he has an MVP like potentially the next five years. Like...
0: Sure does. Sure does. All right guys, NBA Strategy Show, one gigantic word, that is the promo code for today. If you are interested in signing up at osmo.com and you never have before, use that promo code. Get yourself 50% off your first month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Covers everything, projections, ownership, Lineup Builder, Discord, and more. And when I say and more, I mean literally everything that exists on the website, except for Fantasy Cruncher. That's a paid add-on. You can add it at checkout. Put it in your cart. You're good to go. Super simple. It's the perfect time for you guys to be signing up because this is the promo code right now and it's a really good deal. So that's why it's the perfect time to do it. Again, NBA Strategy Show, one giant word. You can see it on the screen. Make sure you're signing up. But what you should also do, another place that you should be signing up, that would be with our friends at Underdog Fantasy. They've got contests for the NBA playoffs, including tonight's 50K Sunday Slam. You can go to underdogfantasy.com, click the link, or click the link in the description of the video. That will help you out as well. Download the app in the App Store and use the promo code AWESOMO to double your first deposit up to $100. Again, awesome. This should be pretty easy for you guys to figure out. A-W-E-S-E-M-O will double your first deposit to underdog fantasy or in fact are you getting into uh best ball drafts
1: so uh in the state of michigan underdog fantasy has chose not to be legalized so okay i have played some underdog in other states uh i do think if you want to chase a prize pool you want to chase a prize pool with two million dollars up top so uh i think i've played some of their nba i do think it's an intriguing format going forward but yeah. uh underdog is they've done a great team their team uh is definitely causing havoc in the, I guess, sports, you can't call it DFS. I, I, it's just like, it's a completely new format of uh, fantasy sports. So uh, I, I like underdog. I think it'll be a ton of fun in the summer to kill time as uh, once the NBA finals are done. So I think I'll go down to a, a state where it's legalized and fire off some best ball.
0: There we go. No, I have some crazy strategies
1: me. with the best ball. I personally don't think there's much of an edge in best ball, I but agree. your edge can be greater if you use our stuff, but. I just like having fun with it. I will literally just stack up the whole team over and yeah. over again. Yeah. So
0: I, I, I I'm not a. Cute, I mean, like it's football, so I can't care enough. Like, if you want to win the whole shebang, you need to get the final week of the season correct. You're and you're going to need to hit someone that's a random, and I don't. I just can't begin to care about it. I'm going to pay a lot of attention to NBA next year because I think that's a spot where you can really see how people can get rotational minutes later in a season. You're, uh, you know, like your Josh Giddies.
1: How, how did you, do you tried year. the uh, NBA playoff basketball format? I haven't. Okay. I, I I definitely thought if you were to like stack up your team by um, the team, that's going to go to the final. So if you like, Oh, have... oh
0: you mean, oh, you mean like at the beginning of the playoffs? Yeah. 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 I did. I did get into a couple of them.
1: How, how, how was that experience for you?
0: I liked it. Uh, I, I tried to go pretty stack heavy as well. You know, just try to basically pick a finals matchup if possible, try not to get anybody that would overlap unless you don't have a choice by the end of your draft or like, you know, I didn't want to take guys that I didn't think were going to play at all. Um, I have not looked, I don't think that it went well, I guess I can let you know if anything is still alive, but I was pretty heavy on Memphis, um, okay. based on my draft. So I, I assume I'm getting I- destroyed.
1: Once I saw the format, unfortunately I couldn't play that week. I was, I was really busy at a bachelor party that week when like the contest launched and it was like, you had like only four days to get like your drafts in. But I was thinking, I was like, if I was, I was super bullish on this Warriors team of getting to the finals. And I was thinking I should just keep drafting the Warriors guys over and over again. But then there's probably a huge benefit. If you like know series that are going to go longer like this, if you're gonna predict if the series, team's gonna have to play more seven game series than the other one, and uh, what Boston's played two of them. So if you have Boston, you're pretty much winning the tournament. I feel like uh, it would shock me if you win the ball tournament without a Boston player. Uh,
0: I didn't have much Boston, so I uh, I had two second places, two thirds. I didn't get anything into a first and move out of the. I didn't get anything into the finals, but. That's because I was heavy on Memphis. And uh, if you use the projections that were on awesome.com for the couple days that were there, you were heavy on Memphis as well. (laughs) So the reason I know that is because they were mine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into Golden State because I think this is the spot where we've got ambiguity. The losing team is the team that generally needs to make some changes. Now, I don't really think that we have much to say about Steph about Clay, about Wiggins, about Draymond. Do you have anything in that group of four that stands out to you? I mean, I like Draymond quite a bit today, but I generally like Draymond a lot just anyway. But, like, for those four guys, we know what they do. We pretty much know exactly how much they're going to play. Their roles don't really change. Do you have anything new for those four?
1: No, and we all know they have an upside to them. Uh, The guy who hasn't hit that upside that much in the playoffs has been Draymond, and it's kind of – and the reason why uh, playoff success has not as gone as well for me is because of Draymond Green. He's had other plans in terms of fantasy production. But, God, I love those minutes. He played 38 minutes. 12 shots seem a little bit higher on the higher side. But the, the reason why they were so high, because he got up to 38 minutes, I expect him not to shoot four threes ever again. There were some awful three-point shots he took. <laughs> uh, so... We'll see the shot production, uh, shot volume go down for Draymond, but I love the minutes. And when Draymond's playing so many minutes, a triple-double is always on the table. So he has that ceiling within him. Honestly, to be a great captain option, great MVP option, great megastar option, alongside guys like uh, Steph and Clay. I'm a little bullish on Andrew Wiggins in this series, but when a guy's going to play so many minutes, he can always find a way to be a great captain option. Not someone who I'm looking at MVP when he has to over – perform guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Steph Curry. It just doesn't seem that likely. Does it happen uh, one time out of 100 games? Maybe, if that. It probably does not happen even in a one-time out of 100-game setting. Uh, but those are the type of chances you should be willing to take in 150 a max in a, in a fan duel. Because like even having that – if you have that one game, and if you're – don't tell me, me – uh, I don't. I think you. I don't think in Fanduel you can't build 150 good Steph Curry MVP lineups without being duplicated mass amount of times. But you can certainly build three good Andrew Wiggins MVP uh, lineups where, yeah. when Wiggins gets that five stock game, uh, knocks on five, uh, four or five threes. We've seen it happen. But those are the ways how you can separate yourself on Fanduel, and it's kind of a, of a hot take why I might prefer the Fanduel single game format uh, than the DraftKings captain format. Because I've been on the right side of being on that one game setting where, okay, Mikel Bridges has that six stock game and no one plays him at MVP and you take a flyer on like sh- stuff like that. That will pay off massively on a FanDuel setting. Unlike in DraftKings, everyone's going to fall in the same lineup because the salary multiplier just pushes you on the same studs. So a little risk reward situation. So going back to your original question, Golden State. Ceiling guys, Curry and Clay can Clay knock down eight, nine threes and get you there in the three point bonus draftings. Yes, and he might be a little bit under-owned. He was not good in the last game defensively and offensively. He was very disappointing. Jalen Brown always had the uh, quick first step on him on the defensive end. Offensively, just didn't get going. You want uh, I think Clay should be shooting the ball twenty times a game uh, if he's yeah. going to be able to get that. Uh, there are some tough uh, fadeaway shots he was taking. We'll see how. The game plan changes and how they probably want him to get involved to get more open threes maybe is on the table. But Clay Thompson should be taking more shots. And I like going to him and being above the field today just because uh, when the guy's going to play 39, 40 minutes, there's so many ways he can pay off that salary. He's We
0: have him at 6.5% captain ownership. I love him today at that number. Uh, he's the guy that I would like to get most over the field on. Let's go ahead and see if I could recover my right air pod, put the left one in now because uh, that right one just died. I don't know why they're dead. They have been charged. So that's an interesting little thing that's going on, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. If I don't hear you out of my left ear either. Here's what I want to get to. I think this is the most important piece of all of this, because I think Looney's role is probably where we need it to be. Uh, Poole was dreadful. Uh, I could see him going one of two different directions. I mean, he could just play better or get phased out because he's, you know, pretty bad defensively. Oh, so bad. You mentioned Gary Payton coming back for this game. I'm not sure that's the answer unless the question is, is Andre Iguodala not playing now? Because I see, I don't see those guys as all that different from what you're trying to do in the game. Uh, both guys are going to be out there for defensive purposes. Both guys are going to be completely unguarded offensively. Is it possible that it's not Gary Payton today?
1: Well, he certainly. Oh, you heard of telling me Gary Payton plays zero minutes again? Yeah, I think based off the game two media day uh, yesterday, it seemed like Kerr wants to play, but and then uh, after before game one, there was definitely reports where. Kerr was hesitant and you didn't want to play him at all. So reading into coach psychology, is like really hard to do, but it's a one game setting and salary is a thing where Gary Payton's only what $1,800 in the utility spot. It gives you a lot of flexibility and it's really valuable. Yes. If Gary Payton puts up two or three fantasy points, we've seen this work out where if you have the right combination of studs, you're sitting up top. And that's what makes the salary uh, portion of this single-game setting very fascinating and intriguing to take a flyer even on Gary Payton. Andre Iguodala is $400 cheaper. And how much higher owned is he going to be than Gary Payton? Based on our own pro- uh, projections, he's not that much higher owned. But uh, I, I, I do think in such a large field tournament when there's so many casuals playing, I think they'll ignore the Gary Payton situation and just take the savings with Igadala. So we might see Iguodala a little bit more higher-owned. But like you said, I'm not sure if he's the answer by any means. Like Gary Payne is obviously an above-average defender. I don't know if he's elite defender like everyone says he is, but he's definitely pretty good on the defensive end. And I don't think he's going to play 20 minutes. I'd be shocked to see him play 20 minutes. And he's also coming off a left fractured elbow, which is his shooting hand, a shooting arm. Uh, and I just don't think he's an offensive threat. It would just be... He's going to be on there to kill minutes on the defensive end and try to contain guys like Jalen Brown. Uh, I like going to him just because of the salary and it's an easy uh, ownership flip from Iguodala. Uh, but that's only the reason why in FanDuel, he's 7K. It's okay. Iguodala is a thousand dollars cheaper. And it wouldn't shock me if Iguodala doesn't play. And if this all leads to what are Kevon Looney's minutes look like? Cause I think, Otto Porter showed that he could hang with Jason Tatum on the defensive end, uh, which is really helpful for this Golden State team if they want to win the series and potentially go small. Uh, Otto Porter played really well defensively against Tatum, and I don't know if how sustainable that is for uh, Porter over a, a seven-game series, but he definitely seemed like he got the uh, coaching staff's trust of being on there to potentially not, – you're not going to stop Jason Tatum, limit him over and over again. And this is just going to lead to the lack of minutes for Looney Uh, I think Looney's minutes seemed like around the high 20s might be the max. And I think we might have seen the Jordan Poole renaissance kind of come to a close because, boy, he just is a literal ghost on defense. Uh, It's bad. Shout out to Michigan, but he was awful defensively at Michigan as well. But (laughs) it is like even worse in the NBA. And his offensive uh, improvement has been obviously nothing to sleep on, but he is – a huge liability on the defensive end where they have to play zone when he's on the court. Cause uh, it's just, he's just bad defensively. He's just awful. And like, I don't know how long that's sustainable because Boston's a smart team. They're going to hunt him. They're going to hunt him. They're going to keep isolating and hunting him over and over again until he gets off the court. And that's the reason why Jordan pulled out that price tag. Yes, he can get hot from the outside, but that's really about it. He was not good fantasy wise last game. And I do think he's going to be going to have some ownership, but I'm going to be willing to go under the field on a guy like him just because of his defensive liabilities in an NBA final setting. I just don't think he should be on the court because he's so bad defensively.
0: Do you think there's any possibility that we end up seeing Moses Moody, uh, Damian Lee? Instead of someone like Gary Payton, could that be the spot? Now, like, look, if Gary Payton is, you know, under ten percent owned, like we have, well, technically under ten percent owned, like we have him right now, I don't think it matters all that much. But is it possible we just happen to see a different rotational piece for the Warriors here, where they look to get slightly more offense than defense?
1: It's certainly possible, and it wouldn't shock me at all uh, if we see Moody crack the rotation. Now let me let's backtrack. I'm going to talk the reverse way. of Guys who I don't expect to crack the rotation. I don't think Toscano Anderson cracks the rotation. I don't think Kaminga cracks the rotation. I don't think um, there's a chance of the elites that can crack the rotation. Just because of like some stretch shooting might be needed because yeah. of the offensive liability of off the bench. Because not many of those guys are offensive creators. Like Iguodala is not one. Otto Porter has some offensive game to him if needed. So anyone, pretty much anyone else... Uh, actually, I, I don't think Damian Lee would crack the rotation. We kind of saw Moody just surpass him in the rotation. So Lee and Toscano Anderson and uh, Kaminga are the three guys who I don't expect to crack the rotation. A lot of things would have to go wonky for them to see him. But you can make a case for Moody, Bialica, uh, Gary Payton, all those guys to crack the rotation. I don't think I missed anyone. And in a one-game setting... I'm completely fine. If you're building a lot of line, of taking some flyers on guys who might crack the rotation, it can pay off for you. Um, it has for me in the past. So, and in one game setting, when the guys are the best way to take a risk is on the guy who has like very limited salary. He doesn't have to do much when he's on the court. So, that's how I feel about it. Very unlikely that uh, we see that the thing that I'm trying to see might happen is more Gary Payton, less Jordan Poole. Uh, less Igadala and the same amount of loonies how I'm predicting the rotation outside of their kind of big four. Okay. And okay. Otto Porter's minutes are going to be the similar in my opinion. Yeah.
0: I, th- I think he can just sort of only, well, I mean, you know, if this were game seven, things might change a little bit, but I think he can just sort of only play a certain amount of minutes and that's just going to be it. Although the extra space in between games uh, can certainly help him out. I'm just Especially nervous him. about Peyton because I don't know what he solves in this series. I don't, I don't know what they do with such... I don't think it's helping them at all to have such little space, and I think that they might lean more towards offense than
1: defense. You're, you think they need more offense than defense? My thing... I, I think my counter-argument to that is more Gary Payne, less Jordan Poole, you just, like, bring in someone who's a bit more of a competent defender than Jordan Poole, which it has some value yeah. when, you're getting, when you're getting hunted. That would be my only counter-argument. But, yes, you are... Sac- and... Jordan Poole is definitely a much more superior offensive player than Gary Payton in terms of shot creation, getting to the basket. Uh, Gary Payton, I forget how much he shot from three. It's just that you're just hoping that he just can hold himself on those on the floor uh, better than uh, Jordan Poole defensively. He's not much the, of an the Darko
0: guy. projection system has Gary Payton as a true talent, like 31% three-point shooter, which is okay. obviously he's going to get left completely alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially with a fractured elbow. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine. So. Right.
0: I can't <laughs> imagine he's coming out of that shooting better.
1: Something was wrong when you were born with the elbow. Can you imagine yeah. if
0: he's like Henry Rowengardner now and he's just like a dead eye? He's like Kyle
1: Korver. <laughs> yeah, and... uh and none of these guys are uh, captain. Uh, very hard for me to put these guys in captain options and confidence
0: oh, for yeah, a cheap no, no price.
1: Shot. Cheap price captain option to go there for you. You essentially need all the guys in your line to put a forty plus, and like someone else, and like they have to be expensive too to make sure that salary work and, and no outlier. Correct, and that's what makes things a little interesting. That roster construction. Construction. I'm a little. I'm. I don't know what to expect from Kevon Looney in this series. I do think he has been overperforming and to a certain extent where I think they should go more small in this series to kind of like outrun Boston a little bit uh, where we see more Draymond at the five and more Otto Porter. Like I think Looney's and Otto Porter's minutes should be identical going forward. Maybe. I don't know. How do you feel Can't about be- that Looney auto Porter, that front court rotation for golden say that's where i'm a little uh concerned and not sure how that's going to play out in a game two setting after game one
0: i have looney getting two more minutes than porter but i think those guys are going to just be pretty close to each other no matter what we saw porter play 23 and a half we saw looney play a little over 25 in game one i think that's sort of going to be what we see i mean in the games that auto porter is able to play he basically plays 24 or 23 to 25 minutes uh so i think we can feel pretty good there whereas looney there's going to be a day where he'll play like 15 and then there's going to be a day where he probably plays 30 i, I think there's a lot of range on looney whereas i don't think i think porter's error bars are pretty narrow
1: yeah that's a good point and yeah, Looney's been very interesting in this playoffs. So obviously, he ha- uh, grew up a point guard, so he has some handle to him, and the, he yeah. grew so fast, and those hips got out of place, so he needed the surgery. It's been yeah, very impressive to see him play like this, because I never expected this from him uh, in terms of fantasy production. He's yeah. one guy I never rostered in the regular season, and very hesitant to even roster in a one-game setting because I just always thought he was over It's burned me in the playoffs, no questions about it, but Good for him. He, he might, I don't know who's going to pay him, but there'll be some team that pays him a little too much money this off season. I think.
0: I think he stays, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't normally see a lot of guys whose rates improve when they go to the playoffs, especially uh, you when you're play... playing
1: with guys like Steph and clay and right.
0: <laughs> and you know, you're playing the hardest competition. You're not padding any of your stats by playing the dregs of the league. You don't get to play the Kings in the playoffs. Uh, Looney is a 0.94 fantasy point per minute guy as like a raw talent in my model. He's been at 1.07 just over the past 30 days. That's in theory, like the hardest part of his playoff schedule. So it's been fascinating to see him succeeding because it's not like he's just riding hot shooting to like good stats. That's not how Kavan Looney's game works. There's no like, oh, he's been streaky. He shot 53% from three in the last, like now he's just dominating the glass and putting back everything that he can.
1: Yeah, and he's a bit undersized too. I, I think him and Draymond Green are like similar height too. I mean, yeah,
0: uh, I don't, I mean, like, they're not like, neither one of them's big. No, for the I mean, league at least. Correct. Obviously, giant human beings in general.
1: I agree. And uh, in terms of like captain options, I might just uh, fire off. Uh, I have interest in captain options, probably more Golden State than Boston. Uh,
0: Same. And, uh, and I think, I think the, Draymond and Clay are getting really underrepresented at the captain today.
1: I agree. And you've got to love those guys, especially Clay, three point bonus. Uh, Draymond Green, a potential triple doubles on the table for him when he's going to play up close to 40 minutes. For them to win, I, honestly, he needs to be, he shouldn't play more, like shoot that many shots from the three, obviously, but much more uh, facilitation role uh, should be involved for Draymond. If he avoids foul trouble, out of the four, like guess they're I guess they're big four. My least favorite is probably Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I, I like finding a way to get the extra two hundred to Clay or save the two hundred and go to Draymond. Same. And Steph Curry, captain ownership. Yeah, he lit it up, but he was um, all most of his damage was done in the first half. He didn't he didn't score a basket I think in the third until the very end. So. And six threes were hit in the first quarter. He ended up with seven. So there's definitely some adjustments done, and there was obviously that minor a- ankle tweak uh, that happened in, uh, I believe, in the third quarter. But it's Steph Curry. He's going to shoot the ball 20 plus times at the minimum. Yeah. Three point bonus on the table. If you can make him fit at the captain spot and have a good lineup, I'm all for it. But I-, I I think there is some merit to taking some other guys outside of Steph on his team on
0: the Warriors. Yeah, I don't, I mean, Steph's like the guy I probably get to the least in the league because he's not, what's the best way to say it? Like, he's not a great fan, he's not as great of a fantasy guy as everybody just assumes that he probably is. He's, because he doesn't, it doesn't fill out the same way that other stat sheets will fill out. So, you know, he's like, don't get me wrong, obviously elite and exceptional, but. I think people think more of him. He's so much easier to, like, people want to roster Curry. Like, he's probably got the most casual appeal of a guy that a a random person would just want to put in a lineup. It's very natural for his ownership to go a little bit higher than it should because he's Steph Curry. But on a per-minute basis, he's usually a little bit more overpriced to me than he probably should be. And, like, I think his ownership is spot-on today, 14% in the captain. That's exactly where he came out of my sim. I'm only different in the aggregate by 1%. So I don't have any change there. The guys that I want to try to get to are the guys that I think are getting showing up a little light and it makes me feel even better because the Warriors lost game one. In theory, you think they are coming back and, you know, like proving something today. Well, if Clay Thompson's massively, or to me, Clay Thompson's massively underowned at both captain and utility Draymond is massively underowned at both captain and utility. Both of those things fit the narrative of I think the team that's playing at home that lost Game One is going to come to play. Would you be surprised? Like, is Clay any less likely to shoot the lights out today than Steph? To me, no. And it's a thirty-two hundred dollar gap and a half gap at the captain spot and ownership. Yeah, I just want to the- like a Clay ceiling game makes a ton of sense to me today. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And what you gain in that salary savings is obviously a fifty percent more uh, salary uh, yeah. savings, and that fifty percent in a final setting helps you jam in the other guy who could potentially play twenty more extra minutes on the court. And just looking at your lineup, and if you can pinpoint, there's if you can pinpoint your lineup and find a way to get, I don't know what the minutes, but uh, you can roster six guys on. Uh, uh, DraftKings, if you can pinpoint your lineup and you're getting, if you think your lineup can get 220 minutes of basketball play, yeah, you're you're in really good shape. Or even two, uh, 220 might be low. I'd be like even going a little bit higher, maybe. But if you can just pinpoint that, or and be like find different ways to get a little different on the like the cheaper players, or, and I think you're gonna be on looking towards the top more times than not. That's one another intriguing way to look at if you're hand building lineups Uh, for a lot of people who are watching your short probably hand building lineups, just like think in your head, Oh, is he going to play 36 to 40 minutes? There are so many ways he can get there for you. And we're at a stage where you got to be able to embrace the variance in a one game setting over and over again with blowouts, uh, just the way coaches just change the rotation on the fly uh, at times is definitely on the table. So be willing to uh, look at things like that and try to, if you feel something and and in a one game setting, if you saw something that happened in the first game, like, Oh, they should have play more minutes more likely than not uh, coaches probably have noticed that as well. So uh, feel free to fire away. And that's way, especially with such large field tournaments. And we're now everyone's majority of the field is probably using some sort of data driven projections to get them there. And just being a little different from the data can pay off in a one game setting. So. Definitely uh, be willing to take some risks like that.
0: Everybody needs to hit that like button. 400 people in here, just 71 likes. That's not going to cut it. We should be up over 100. MLB Live Before Lock coming up at 12.15. We've got NASCAR Live Before Lock coming up at 2.30. And then NBA Live Before Lock coming up tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on? Anything else you want to add? Anything, any stone we haven't unturned for uh, game two?
1: yeah just keep an eye on potential uh the pregame uh coach speak of what might happen in golden state uh to get some more insight it's a little tough to know what's going to happen outside of uh their starting five and auto porter uh and uh, uh yeah starting five and auto porter because i'm a little worried about jordan Poole's minutes in this series yeah uh, he's if he can't stay on the court for defensive reasons to there, I think Steve Kerr is willing to sacrifice that uh, for just potential better defense to give him a shot to win games. And then on the Boston side, is things, some of the monitoring game too, Dan Tice's minutes. Um, what is going to happen to Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams? Uh, is the bench? How, how does that rotation play out? Bearish on Derek White's minutes today, okay. but more bullish on Marcus Smart's minutes. So, see, let's see what happens today in Game Two. I'm a, uh, hoping the series goes seven from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, sure. We need a seven-game final series. Just, I think the NBA loves when Boston's in a seven-game series. I think sure. all all their uh, TV ratings go through the roof. And oh, golden Game State's, Seven TV
0: ratings would be insane for this one.
1: Yeah, you're getting Golden State, kind of like the team of our gen- my generation, like over the last ten years. Yeah. Uh, they are the social media team. Like, they blew up as social media blows up for NBA. Yeah. And I I, I think people don't, I think people take them for granted. They're amazing guys. Like, we're going to miss Steph Curry. We're going to miss all these guys when they're all gone. And uh, he's, there's just a ton of fun to watch. Like, the way they've operated this offense, l- more passes than dribbles. Like, it's been basketball poetry. But I hope Golden State wins. I think it'd be a great story uh, for their dynasty to continue. But I just want seven games. I just love seven games. So give me seven you games. You me?
0: You me both. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here. Once again, hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Go sign up at Underdog. Click the link in the description of the video. That will help you out a ton. Make sure you're watching game two tonight. Check out all the other content that we've got at awesomeo.com today. Plenty of shows for the rest of the day for the rest of the sports that are going on. Baseball, NASCAR, and then NBA closing it out. Good luck. Game three Wednesday, right?
1: Yeah, they're getting two days off for travel day for this time around. And I think we get game four Friday, but...
0: I have no idea. Game three Wednesday is the only... We'll tell you whenever game four is when we get to game three. Good luck, everybody. We're out of here. Peace.